0: This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona.
1: They have absolutely no regard for the things of God's kingdom or the working of the Spirit of God in their lives. As they continue to move forward, they bring themselves deeper and deeper into self destruction, and they move closer to the reality of eternal condemnation by the acts that they are doing. They continue to move toward that final judgment of Almighty God.
0: There are people all over the world who are being used by the enemy. They themselves have been deceived, and now they're being used to deceive others. But don't let yourself be one of them. Make sure you study God's word for yourself. Have a real and growing relationship with Him. Allow His Spirit to lead and guide you. Continue in His work of grace. Take a stand for the truth and don't compromise. Understand that the scriptures are the only source of absolute truth. That's where you need to draw from. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 5, for the conclusion of our message entitled, Woe to the False Teachers.
1: Jude is telling them, I know that you know this, but I want to bring it back to your memory again. Bring it back to your thinking once again. I want to remind you once for all. And he says to them, uh, he speaks to them then three examples, one of them there in verse 5. He says, the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. He's bringing to them three Old Testament events as as an example of what's going to happen to these men that have crept into the fellowship. What were the three stories that he's going to share? Well, here we see as Israel comes out of Egypt. In a moment, he's going to speak about angels, fallen angels, and again, the the destination for those. And then finally, he speaks about Sodom and Gomorrah. All of these that the recipients of this letter would have been familiar with, all of these stories. Stories. But I believe that part of what he's saying is much, much more than just the reminding of them of these events that have happened in the past. He's not just coming and giving them the history lesson again. No, what I believe that what he wants them to understand is that though they had been longtime recipients and beneficiaries of God's grace and his mercy and his salvation. Believe that he also wanted to remind them that yes, and even in the midst of all of that, God is also holy, he's righteous, and he is a God of judgment. As he brings these things, just as he speaks to them, just as God has demonstrated these things to them, he wants to show them that God is not ignorant of these things. God's fully aware of these situations that were going on within the life and the body of the church. And so they, the church, and you and I today as the church, we also need to be reminded once again the graciousness, the mercy of our long-suffering God stands right beside the reality of his power, of his righteousness, and of his judgment on all those that would reject his plans, his purposes, and his designs. This is what we all need to continually be reminded of. This is what we see these three examples given by Jude. God was gracious to the children of Israel as he took them out Of Egypt. As he brought them out of Egypt, Egypt didn't come out of all of them. Some of them brought the same attitudes, the same heart, even as they got out into the wilderness, as they were on their way to the promised land. They were quick to receive the the benefits of his great blessing, and yet they were unwilling to submit themselves to the leadership of Almighty God in their lives. They rejected his plan, his purpose, and his design for their lives. They were saved from Egypt, but they were not saved unto salvation. Again, the understanding and how you look at that is an understanding that the church has dealt with for years, for centuries. It's the aspect, it's the idea of what is called this this common grace of God, these common blessings of God. They received the blessings of God even though their hearts weren't surrendered wholly and completely to them. They were among those who were saved, but many of those that were among those who were saved were not saved. And just as Jude reminds them, most of those children, those Hebrew children who escaped out of Egypt, they weren't faithful. You can look back in the pages of the story of the Exodus and you can see the rebellion that continued to come against Moses and against Moses' leadership. And so this entire generation perished in the wilderness and the Bible is very clear. They perished in the wilderness because they did not believe. This is a part of what Jude wants the church to remember. After the example of the children of Israel... Being rescued from Egypt, he gives us another example. There in verse 6, he speaks about the angelic beings. He says, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. And here again, we see that not only is our God a God of grace, mercy, and salvation, but at the same time, he is that God of holiness Righteousness and judgment. And we need to have that just hammered into our brain. We need to understand that. Some will say, oh no, God is a God of love. But beloved, that's only a part. That's a part of the truth. God is also a holy and a righteous God who also deals in areas of judgment. We need to have both of those be the balance of our own personal theology. We also know that God is a God of order. And a purpose in his creation, in all of his creation. God has a purpose and a plan and a design. He has created the angelicos here for a specific reason, for a specific function. And yet we find throughout scripture a lot of examples of how some of them who had moved out of that order had moved out of the design and the purpose that God had created them for. They left their proper domain, their abode, and therefore God is preparing again uh, for them this everlasting, eternal judgment. They rejected, they moved against his plan, his purpose, and his design. And exactly which time Jude is referring to here, we don't know. A lot of people go back to the Genesis 6 account and said this is what he's speaking about here, where the uh, sons of God came to the daughters of men and they bore children. But that's not necessarily what he's referring to because we see the reality of fallen angels all through Scripture, where they've stepped out of the domain, they've stepped out of their place and their position that God has designed for them. Again, we don't know for certain which area. But we do know that in the writings of Jude and the parallel writings of Peter, they're speaking about those that had rebelled against God. And we see this same idea, the same understanding of rebellion against God's plan, God's purpose, and God's design, even as we move into the story or into the event, into Jude's reference to Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 7 he says, as Sodom and Gomorrah. And the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, and I, I believe he's talking they were similar to the angels, again in this rebellion against God. He says, The cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. love. it thing that I say it over and over and I know I'm repeating myself but you and I need to understand we need to have driven home in our own life that God does have a plan God does have a purpose God does have a design in all of creation and that includes your life but as he's speaking here of those in Sodom and Gomorrah I believe that we need to understand that he's speaking much to a much much bigger issue than the homosexuality that was taking place in Sodom and Gomorrah. Was that a sin that they were doing? Yes, it was. But, beloved, the greater portion of that sin was rebellion against the plan, purpose, and design of God. And that's why we can't pick out any one sin and say, oh, that one's worse than any other. Any time that we move outside of the plan, the purpose, and the design of God, beloved, you need to understand that we are sinning against Almighty God. And I believe as Jude is speaking of these that are creeping in, that's what he's saying. He's not saying that these that have come into the church are acting as homosexuals. That's not what he's speaking about here. What he's speaking about here is that there's judgment upon them because they're moving against God's plan, against God's purpose, against God's design, and God has already... For them planned out their condemnation. It was set up long ago. It's a much, much bigger picture than one or two particular sins that we might look at. He's speaking to all of us. That's why Jude is now able in this whole passage to continue on with that bigger picture, that picture of rebellion against the mind and the heart of God. Look at what he says in verse 8 likewise also these dreamers they defile the flesh they reject authority and they speak evil of dignitaries and again as he lists these primary areas of concern these symptoms of rebellion show up in the in the choices that these men are making as they bring these false doctrines into the church. And Jude speaks about these actions. He says they're defilers of the flesh. He says that they have an anti-authority mindset, a failure to submit to the authority or that's set before them, the authority of God as well as the authority that God has designed there in the churches. He also says that not only do they fail to submit, they show no respect for authority. They put themselves above those who God has placed in position of authority. There's a lot that can be said on all of these. I mean, I could have gone back. We could have looked at the story of the rebellion of the children of Israel, the fall of the angels. We could have looked at Sodom and Gomorrah. There's so much within this, and I encourage you to, to look into these things. But we're going to continue on. Verse 9, he speaks of Michael, the archangel. Even Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Now, I don't know if you've caught this or not, but what Jude is referring to here is not a biblical example. There's no place in the Bible that we read that story of Michael and Satan getting into a battle over the body of Moses. So what is he referring to? He's referring to actually other literature, other non-biblical literature. As a matter of fact, it's a, it's a Jewish tradition, and it's in the writings of, of a book called The Assumption of Moses. The Jews don't look at it as Scripture. The Christians don't look at it as Scripture. But within that book that was written uh, early, early on, again from the Jewish tradition that was sent down through the ages, he comes back to this battle. It doesn't mean that the battle wasn't real. But neither does it mean that the assumption of Moses suddenly becomes scriptural for us. No, Jude is referring to something that has been passed down through Jewish tradition. This battle was there. And at the midst of that battle, Michael says, or again, Michael in that battle against Satan, he comes up and he says, I'm not going to rebuke Satan. No, I bring him to the Lord. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Why? Because he knew that there was a place of authority. He knew that there was a standard of authority. And Michael was someone who was under the authority of God, not the authority of Satan. No. Understand that. But he knew that God could deal with him in a much greater way than what he himself could. These false teachers that Jude speaks about, they don't respect authority. They don't respect any kind of authority or even angels. They stand against God's order of things. Jude goes on in verse 10. He says, These speak evil of whatever they do not know, whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts. And these things, they corrupt themselves. They think, they process, they, they move in, in a natural realm. Like brute beasts, like animals is what he's saying. Their human logic, their natural desires, their fleshly appetites, that's what moves them. That's what controls them. And they have absolutely no regard for the things of God's kingdom or the working of the Spirit of God in their lives. As they continue to move forward, they bring themselves deeper and deeper into self Destruction, and they move closer to the reality of eternal condemnation by the acts that they are doing. They continue to move toward that final judgment of Almighty God. So verse 11, Jude says, Woe to them, woe to them, because they've gone into the way of Cain. They, they've they run greedily into the error of Balaam for profit, and they've perished in their rebellion of Korah. Once again, as Jude brings these points about, he's referring to these Old Testament events as examples for them even now in the New Testament. He says, woe to them because they're like Cain. Cain was one who devised his own manner of worship without any kind of regard to the design of the mind of the purpose of God. His attitude wasn't that of pleasing God, but simply of going through the motions on the outside. While sin reigned in his heart, he mocked the reality and the holiness of God by simply going through the motions. Aren't you glad that people don't do that today? It's a sad reality, isn't it? In the midst of sin, people that go through the motions of religion, Without any regard that the judgment of God is going to come upon them. Without any regard that the holiness of God has set forth a design and a purpose and a plan. And Again, it's not by sacrifices that he's pleased with. It's by the brokenness and the contriteness of a heart that comes and falls in worship before him. It says these that have crept into the fellowship, oh, they go through the motions of religion. But they don't have the heart and mind of God. So I say, Lord, save us. Save us from empty religion. Save us from being satisfied with ritual without a hunger for your presence in our lives. He says, woe to them because they're like Balaam. Go back and look at that story, but we don't have time this morning. Balaam was a prophet, and he was actually a prophet that was anointed by God. And It's a difficult story to understand because here he's taken that anointing, that blessing that God had given him, and now he's become a prophet for hire. And he'll prophesy whatever you want him to prophesy if you give him the right amount of money. And that was the situation with Balaam. But I love it, when Balaam was paid to prophesy against the children of Israel, as he began to prophesy against the children of Israel, God gave him prophecies for the children of Israel. He says, I, I tried to prophesy against them, but the Lord won't let me. And so, again, that battle came. In essence, I believe that what he's saying, that they've become like Balaam, is they pretend, these that have crept into the, the church at that point in time, they pretend to serve God while all the while they are serving themselves. Balaam was greedy, he was lustful for the things of this world, and yet there was no desire that we see within his life at that point in time to be found obedient to God, particularly regardless of any kind of a personal cost. Do we have those within the fellowship of believers that pretend to serve God while they're simply serving themselves? Yeah. Do we have folks within the fellowships, within the church today, that are greedy for the things of the world, that, that are willing to follow God as long as it's not a personal cost, as long as it doesn't cost me anything? Oh, I'll come and I'll praise, I'll worship, I'll even serve, but don't have it cost me anything. God, help us. God, help us to seek your face and your will. Don't let us be satisfied with the world's pleasure, the world's resources, or even friendship with the world. Let us be known as a friend of God because we're following after him at great personal cost. The reality is, is, as we follow Christ with a whole heart, there will be great personal cost. God will desire of you and direct you in areas that may bring you totally out of your comfort zone. God may require of you, ask of you to, for His kingdom's sake, to give of your time, of your talents, and yes, of your resources for His kingdom. Well, I'll follow God, but I don't want it to cost me anything. Don't expect me to go beyond My own little comfort zone. Don't expect me to go outside of my time frame. I'll dictate the time that God has in my life. Beloved, that's the same attitude. That's the same heart even as a Balaam. Those that have crept into the church with these false doctrines have the same situation. The third event that he refers them to. He says, woe to them because they're like Korah's rebellion. And again, we're not going to take time to go back to look at that event of the Old Testament. But Korah and his group, in essence, came up and says, Why should Moses be the only leader? After all, we're sharper than he is. Can't we hear God? Can't we direct? And there was this rebellion that came against the ordained leadership of Moses. Why did God ordain Moses to be the leader? Because he was the greatest one? Because he was the sharpest one? Because he was the best one to do it? No. Because God chose Moses, and that's it. It was God's choice. And it was God's ordaining and God's appointing. Korah revolted because he desired power and authority, even if it meant getting it without God's blessings. Beloved, that's a Scary place to be. He and those that went with him, they revolted against Moses. And as they revolted against Moses, the reality was they were actually revolting against God. They were revolting against God's plan, his purpose, and his design. It would seem by Jude's wording that these false teachers who have come in That their fate was sealed. He said their condemnation had been taken care of long ago. They were marked out for this condemnation long ago. He speaks in past tense. So my question really is, is that because God would not forgive these men? If they came to him, if they again bowed their heart before him, confessed their sin... Or is it because these men themselves had already hardened their heart? They had determined their fate by the hardness of their heart against the things of God. I believe that it's the latter. I believe that it's it's the fact that they had already hardened themselves against the Spirit of God working and moving in their lives. These men were so determined to gain control, to gain power and authority over those within the church, while all the time knowing That they were rebelling against that plan, that purpose, and that design of God. They crept into the fellowships. They were unnoticed, but they had the full intent of subverting the leadership God had in place. They crept into the flock and they began feeding on the sheep instead of feeding the sheep. Jesus warned about this so clearly. We read, Many times in the New Testament and the Gospel accounts of Jesus warning those who were following him that there's going to be some that will come in and they will devour you. They will come and they'll be very deceptive. We don't have time this morning, but I encourage you to look at Matthew chapter seven and read what Jesus speaks about these false shepherds even that would come in, that would kind of again come in and, and then suddenly they're, they're destroying the flock. They're not building the flock up. They're bringing the flock down rather than encouraging the flock. Beloved, we even as a church, you as an individual believer, just as Jude says, we need to be able to contend for our faith. You and I, all of us together, the fellowship corporately, you individually, need to be growing in your faith, being growing in your relationship with Christ. You need to be seeking that plan, that purpose, that design of God in your particular life and not rebelling against it, even though that plan, purpose, or design may cost you something, may bring an uncomfortableness to you, may take your plans and bring them a whole nother direction. Beloved, you better hope and pray that as you commit your life to God, that He gives you that understanding. So that you know you're not just walking in your own desires, but that you're walking you're living your life in accordance to His glory. The very first thing that has to happen, though, is that committing of our life to Christ.
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at TheOpenWord.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of this station you heard us on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.